Welcome to the American Med Spa Podcast Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch was joined by Dr. Robin Patel, professor of medicine and professor of microbiology. All right, everybody, this is Alex Tiersch, and welcome to the podcast. We have a very, very special guest, Dr. Robin Patel from the Mayo Clinic. Um, is an infectious disease uh, doctor. She's been with us a few times before, um, helping us kind of navigate what this whole COVID thing is, which we're still de- we're still dealing with. Hopefully, we're getting towards the end of it, though. Uh, welcome, Dr. Patel. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here today. No, of course. I, I really, really appreciate it. Um, if, if you could, for the for the folks who are hearing you for the first time. Um, let let everyone know kind of what you do, what your background is, and, and and where you work, so they you know they know that you're you know the right person to be listening to at this point. Great, yeah, happy to do that. I don't know if I'm the right person, but I'll tell you who I am. My name's Robin Patel, and I work at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, where I'm the Elizabeth P. and Robert E. Allen Professor of Individualized Medicine, a professor of medicine and a professor of microbiology, and I co-direct the clinical bacteriology laboratory and direct the Infectious Diseases Research Laboratory. I'm also the Vice Chair of Education for the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology. And I think when we last met, I was the sitting president of the American Society for Microbiology, and I'm now the immediate past president of the American Society for Microbiology. Well, congratulations, or I'm sorry about that, whichever applies. (laughs) Oh, no, it was a very exciting time. Awesome. So, and and, um, you worked on... Um, researching this this uh, pandemic and, and 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 some of the vaccines as well. What I would love to 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 know from you because I've been thinking about this kind of from a a global perspective, and I want to get into the vaccine. The reason we have you on is 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 I really want to talk about its effectiveness, kind of some different things that we're hearing. Um, hopefully, clear some misconceptions up and things like that. But I'm just thinking kind of globally from from a historical perspective as a physician like what's the what has this past year been like for you and and i what what i'm trying to get at here is um you know i i feel like the the speed with which we've developed this vaccine has been unprecedented um and there's so much that is just that that, that is new what, what does this mean kind of in the context of of what you've seen in the past and 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 what other scientific achievements can we compare this to Yeah, this is a really good question. Uh, Vaccination in general has been a major achievement of public health. I teach medical students here at Mayo Clinic. I guess I didn't mention that in my introduction, but I'm actually teaching right now. And um, we have a lot of vaccines that we use in the world, right? Uh, Many childhood vaccines. And many times we vaccinate against diseases that we never see. And it's very important that we vaccinate against them because we don't want to recreate the situation that we were in before we had these vaccines. They are really life-saving medical interventions that have changed the way we live. So it's interesting because I try to emphasize to my students why vaccination is important. And I think that uh, COVID-19 has made a lot of points that we teach medical students or even you know all of us really about infectious diseases all the more obvious. So so when the virus first emerged, you know, there was hope that we could contain it because that, you know, is a great way of, of controlling infectious diseases. But as you know, that did not happen um, in most countries. 
And, uh, and so then, uh, you know, we would turn to treatments, you know, maybe we have a miracle treatment and we do have some treatments now. And so we've, we've made advances there, but the real hope, right, is, is not to ever get a bad infectious disease like SARS-CoV-2, but instead to vaccinate against it. And I think that reflecting back, you know, when we started to, to, to think about the role of the vaccine and, and really recognize that vaccines were being developed at unprecedented rates. You know, if you, I know several people asked me back in March, so almost a year ago, you know, how long will it be till we have a vaccine? That was the big question back then. And I think that my answer was, well, I can't see anything happening before the end of this year. That was 2020. But in my mind, I was sort of thinking, that's true, but that would be remarkably fast, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and so it was sort of a, a guarded answer, if you will. But we did it, right? The world did it. And it's an amazing thing that, that we have vaccines so quickly um, and so many of them and that they're being, you know, rolled out and that those studies were done and that they're approved and so forth. I've, I've never seen anything like it, but I think, you know, it is the intervention that at this point is going to save us from this virus, right? Yeah. And and so when I got my vaccine, and I know I, I feel bad because I know not everyone has had the vaccine, but we have to be thankful for, you know, when we do get the vaccine, and I know we're going to come to lots of more vaccine questions. I mean, I was just so happy to get it. And I think most people as well were so happy to get it. And quite frankly, you know, I don't think most people are overjoyed about getting vaccines usually, you know, Mm -hmm. it hurts, maybe there's some side effects occasionally, and you're sort of like, well, you know, this can wait, is this urgent? I mean, the the, uh, COVID-19 vaccine, people were like, okay, I'm on it, I'm going to get my vaccine right away. So it, it really gives us a a different and a feeling for the um, immediacy of needing to be immune to an infectious disease and um, what it does um, for us, for the people around us, for the people we work with, for our families and for the world. Um, So, so it's, it's nothing short of an amazing accomplishment. I would say that. It it, it has to be exciting for you to be kind of in the field that's, that's, that's looking into this and, and and to be a part of it. It's, you know, I know there's so many different companies that have been working on it, but, but normally vaccines take, uh, from what I've read, you know, more than a, certainly like two, two and a half years to be developed, if not longer, to, to be developed and approved. This was done at, at at warp speed. One of the questions that we get is, has that, um, have we sacrificed anything um, in terms of safety or study um, because of that? And, and and what is the impact on that on, on folks who, who, who are taking it? And should they be more worried or, or should they feel feel pretty comfortable? Yeah, no, I, I can I can certainly understand uh, that concern, and I've reflected on that um, uh, as well. Um, you know, the, the thing is, any new intervention, be it a vaccine or a drug, has to go through clinical trials, and and after it goes through clinical trials, it either gets approved for use or not, mm-hmm. and then uh, there are recommendations on when to use it and when not to use it, and. Anytime something um, gets approved and is used for the first time, 
it's not been used outside of a clinical trial by definition when it starts to be used. And so all the data that we have on whatever it is, whether it's a vaccine or a therapeutic, anything really is from those clinical trials. And so in many ways, this is not unlike any other vaccine or any other drug, right, um, that we have. Uh, we, we learn from the clinical trials. We learn whether an intervention works, which is what we learned from the clinical trials. And we learn about the safety, which is very important for vaccines, right, mm -hmm. of, uh, of the intervention as well. Now, obviously, the clinical trial is restricted to a certain number of people. And when you start using whatever it is, a therapeutic, uh, a vaccine, in general, you may be using it in much larger numbers than you are in a clinical trial. And so if there's an extraordinarily rare uh, side effect that could happen, uh, you may not have seen it in your clinical trial. But then again, that's a rare, rare event, right? Right. And so I guess I don't think it's really that different than anything else that we've introduced um, into medicine. Mm -hmm. And um, on the other hand, you know, I come back to sort of my personal feelings and, and my feelings for other people getting the vaccine. I mean, you know, it, it's a choice, right? But it's a choice between the possibility of getting COVID-19 and getting bad sick and maybe dying, depending who you are, or taking a vaccine that's been well studied in clinical trials and uh, looks safe and effective. And to me, I don't know, that, that's a no-brainer choice. Yeah. Uh, you know, nothing's yeah. perfect, right? If, if I walk out of my office and I go across the street, I could get hit by a car. I hope I don't, by the way. I almost slipped on the ice too. this morning, though, because it was really icy. There's lots of risks that we take in our life, and we go on with it. Um, you know, nothing is without, you know, a, a risk, period. But I, I think... Uh, you know, you can look at those clinical trials and you can understand uh, that there were a large number of numbers of individuals who received the vaccines and for their were therefore assessed for safety and feel comfortable about that. So it's it's an interesting question, right? Because I, I totally agree with you. And I've got most a lot of the folks in our industry are actually um, vaccinated because they're healthcare workers and they they've been in, on the front lines and they've been they've been helping. Um, and we did actually did a, a very informal poll over Instagram and of our members. And I was surprised because it was over 50% of our respondents said they were not going to get the vaccine. Um, and it was, it, 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 there was a variety of reasons. Um, they, they, they were worried about the long-term effects. You know, there hasn't been long-term studies. There was a few, um, women who were worried, well, what's going to happen if I get pregnant later on? Um, and you know, I, I was surprised. I, I honestly thought we would have, you know, an overwhelming number of people be rushing out to get it, which is kind of the experience that I've had with, with my family and folks that I talk to. Um, how do we, how do we go about reassuring these people, um, and, you know, and cause again, I, everyone comes from a different place. Everyone has a different perspective. And so I certainly don't want to be critical of anybody who doesn't want to get a vaccine. I think it's, it's a very personal decision that we have to leave up to people, but I do think there's a, a public health necessity for us to, to do this. So how do we assure people that it's safe and that it's a good idea and that they should do it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know what, you're right. Everybody comes at it from a different place. 
Um, and this virus is is new to all of us. I mean, none of us has a lot of experience with it. But um, I think we've learned over the past years that uh, past year that it can do terrible things, right? Yeah. And uh, we 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 know what some of the risk factors are, but we also know that you know no one's guaranteed a good outcome from an infection with this virus. Um, so you can look at it on a personal level, I, I think. And you know, again, would you rather get infected with the virus or and you know, risk the really bad outcomes. I mean, death is one thing, but, you know, ending up in the hospital, ending up on a ventilator, uh, even if you don't die, these are terrible outcomes, right? Uh, you know, for, for those of us who work in the health profession, you know, it's it's interesting with COVID-19 because I think that one pe once people get sick, because they're so literally isolated because of the virus when they get sick, you don't realize what goes on, but it can be a horrible, horrible disease, right? Yeah. So I look at all of that and I think, well, it's, I have no question that I'll take the vaccine because I'm, I'm weighing my personal risks and uh, I want to feel like that's highly unlikely to happen to me versus, I, I mean, I didn't have the viral infection myself. And um, so I, you know, I, I, really wanted protection against it, um, knowing what, what happens if you get it. So to me, it's about, it's about do, do I personally want to take the chance of getting this infection and having a bad outcome or uh, take a vaccine that you're right, we don't have decades of experience with. But as I mentioned, most vaccines when they first come out are in that same bin, right? And yeah. we do have a lot of experience from the clinical trials. But I think another point you brought up um, about public health, but it's, it's almost, you don't even have to think of the public because maybe you've decided that <clears throat> for some reason that's not important to you. We'll come back to that. Mm -hmm. But what about the other people that you're with, right? Especially if they're older people who might be at risk, um, people that are in your family or are friends that you're with. What if you didn't take the vaccine and uh, you picked up the virus, say, asymptomatically and spread it to them and they got very sick mm -hmm. and died? You know, to me, there's some sort of responsibility that we have when offered something that could have prevented that from happening. Um, so I think about that as well. And then, of course, we can think about public health, right? right. Um, so, uh, you know, the same thing applies to those people that you don't know, the strangers, the rest of the world, humanity, and so forth. And I mean, I, I personally feel we have some responsibility there too. Not everyone might agree with me, uh, but but I can take it to that level. So so in essence, I can see it on so many levels, right? I can see it on a personal level. I can see it on a uh, sort of relationship or those people that you're around with level, um, especially those people you like, right? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. friends and family. <laughs> well, yeah. Anyway, we'll just leave it at that. But then there's there's everybody else as well. And, and we're not... <clears throat> have the same risk of a bad outcome, but there's some people who we know very much do. Mm -hmm. And the, the more we have people take the vaccine, the less the virus will circulate, the, the better it will be in general for, for all of us. Mm -hmm. um, and, and also, I know you're probably going to get to mutations, mm -hmm. I, I'm guessing, yes. in this conversation. But, um, you know, the, the less we let this virus circulate, the less it has a chance to mutate and come back yes. again as something yes. else. 
as yes. a shapeshifter. So, so there's that public health level uh, to this as well. So I guess, you know, like you said, to me, it's, it's a no brainer. Uh, can I tell you that it's, there's zero risk of taking the vaccine? No, but I, mm-hmm. we know the risk of getting this virus and what could happen to you. And that doesn't look very good to me at all. Right. And even if you're right. a young person, I, I think it's, I think it's uh, with, with no medical problems. I still, still think it's, it's worth it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on the off chance that you land up with a bad outcome, even if you're, you yeah. don't fall into a high risk group. And, and, and you've been kind of on the front lines of, of the research in this, in, in, the, in the things that you've read and studied, uh, are have there been incidents of of very severe um, adverse reactions to this vaccine? I mean, and how worried should people be worried? About, I mean, how worried should people be about that? I mean, to me, from what I've read, it's been it's been very very rare. Um, but nonetheless, um, what's kind of the, the 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 physician's perspective on that when you tell people? What's the how do you yeah. feel about the 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 potential for side effects and adverse reactions to the vaccine itself? Yeah, I mean, the, well. You know, it it kind of there's a range, right? right? Many people have absolutely no um, effect of the vaccine. Maybe even think they've gotten a placebo or something, which they shouldn't have. That's that's not really a thing. I'm just joking. Um, or um, you know, there's some local um, uh, pain or kind of just feeling unwell for for a day or so. Um, some have uh, maybe some some swelling. Um, uh, mm-hmm. more localized uh, side effects, but they go away mm-hmm. and they're predictable, right? Okay. So you take the vaccine and you may have, you may not feel well like the next day. Um, I don't know. To me, even if that happens to you, it's worth it versus getting COVID-19, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. That's, you know, I guess I would wish there's absolutely zero side effects of a vaccine, but it is uh, revving up your immune system, right? So mm-hmm. it's not surprising that um, some people do experience some some mild side effects. And I I guess I think it's completely worth it. I, yeah. I you know, um, you know, you, you're just aware of that. Maybe you don't don't schedule your vaccine the day before you have you know yeah. some major life event going on. That's probably pretty smart. But aside from that. Um, I don't know. It it just seems completely worth it. Uh, yeah, it. I mean, it 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 does to me, and I I don't want to get too kind of in, incredulous at folks who who are worried about it because you know they have their own perspectives. But to me, it's 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 a no brainer. Also, I think it's not only should we do it for our own industry, but for those around us. Um, I, and I do want to talk about the the variants because that's been in the news lately. But there was also, um, but before we get to that, I I do want to talk about um the effectiveness of the vaccine because everything, you know, everything about preventing COVID, like you've mentioned, um, and the severity of it is, is dependent upon the effectiveness of the vaccine. We just, um, there was just today, the FDA, um, issued a statement that, uh, Johnson and Johnson's single shot vaccine. Um, uh, there was a statement on that. The FDA said it was safe and effective and the overall effectiveness at preventing someone from getting COVID is lower than the previous two vaccines that were approved in the United States. Um, but the second point was that the vaccine prevented a hundred percent from what I read of hospitalizations and deaths 
worldwide. And and this got me thinking just about, you know, the difference between Johnson and Johnson's vaccine, which is a single dose, which I think is going to be is going to be very helpful for, for all of us. Um, it's 66 roughly percent effective at preventing infection, according to the clinical trial, compared with 93, 94, 95 percent for um, the 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 two shot vaccines. Um, and this may go, you know, may be obvious to you, but what, what does that mean? Like when we talk about 66% effective versus 93% effective, um, what is all that? It, it doesn't mean necessarily you're going to get sick, but just ex- explain that from a scientific method um, or, or a scientific perspective and how we should be looking at that from, from our perspective, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I think uh, this is pretty confusing um, to to think about these numbers mm-hmm. and and what they mean, uh, I guess if if we had a perfect vaccine, right, uh, those people who have been vaccinated would not pick up whatever infectious disease it is. Period. Right? They wouldn't right. pick it up and um, develop asymptomatic infection. They wouldn't pick it up and get a mild case of infection. They just wouldn't pick it up. Um, but not all vaccines get us to that level. I mean, we're used to this with flu vaccine, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a great example. Um, and, and I think, you know, when I think of COVID-19, um, it's a coronavirus. Coronaviruses also cause the common cold. We do not fuss about the common cold. I mean, we, you probably don't like it when you have it, but right. nobody's out there staying home, right. um, you know, quarantining at home indefinitely or whatever. There's just nothing, nothing happening with the, the common cold coronaviruses, mm-hmm. but they do cause you to have a cold. Um, and and so when I think about COVID nineteen, I think that there's a spectrum, right? And while it would be nice to have something that you know completely shuts you down and and you do not get the virus, period, in no way, shape, or form. Really, um, if you can impact certainly death, like that's that's a bad outcome. I think we would all agree. On yes, that. probably um, the worst. Being on a ventilator, mm-hmm. that's probably a bad outcome. ECMO, uh, being in an ICU, even being in a hospital, right? Mm-hmm. You can sort of um, make a list of things. Um, and then I know you mentioned like with vaccines, people worried about things that might happen to them over the long term. Well, you know, things are being described with COVID-19 that seem, I guess, to be happening over the long term after you've had those infections too. So we can put that in that bin too, because that's not something we experience like with the common cold. Um, And then uh, there's being sick, but not having to go to the hospital, but, but really, you know, not, not feeling well for a long period of time. And then there's been, you know, there, there are shades of this, less sick, and then finally asymptomatic. And, and so for the person, you know, I, I think certainly not dying, not ending up on a ventilator, not ending up in the ICU, maybe not ending up at the hospital. Those are all really good um, endpoints. But, you, you know, you might contract, for example, say a mild case of infection or even an asymptomatic case of infection, and, and that wouldn't have been protected against completely. I, I think that's that's okay, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it's it's still a good thing. Um, you know, we talked before about the benefit of vaccination in terms of preventing spread of the virus. Um, you know, again, a perfect vaccine would would shut that down too. If there's going to be a few breakthrough infections, the vaccine population mm-hmm. is still going to allow a little bit of spread, but hopefully less, right? Than right. overall than what we'd see without it. So. Um, 
I don't think it's it's as black and white as um, you know. Do you get this virus or not? And to me, what what matters is the the severity of the infections and preventing those severe infections. Um, is, because is, is it is it really? I mean, from what I read, it, it, the the Johnson and Johnson vaccine and the others as well, they've pre- prevented a hundred percent of deaths and hospitalizations. To me, that was extraordinary. Is that is it, should I be as excited about right. that as I as that I am? is extraordinary? I'm not. I you know I think that data will have more and more of that data as right. we get more and more people vaccinated. Um, because that's harder to come by in a clinical trial. But uh, that's the data that I'm looking at that I'm really excited about it, knowing that that we have vaccines that don't completely shut the thing down, right? Right. Um, Then it's it's like, okay, the next question is, okay, fine. That's what we got. Um, That's what we got with influenza as well, by the way. We we go with that. But if, if it does, you know, keep people out of the hospital, let's just say maybe that's a simple way of, of talking about it. That's a great endpoint from my perspective. I, I mean, you know, um, perfect is the enemy of good here, right? And um, that seems fine. You know, it's it's interesting because we we deal with infectious diseases all the time. Um, you know, I'm an infectious disease doc and a microbiologist, and um, you know. I, I get upset that we maybe don't pay an, enough attention to infectious diseases sometimes. But, you know, with this virus, there, you know, if we could get it to a point that it's just causing mild infections in the population. Yeah. That that's a good outcome. Fine. I think, um, you know, I, you know, then we could, we could go back to, our new normal, whatever that's going to be, (laughs) you know, so I I think it's, it's uh, not a black and white outcome and the vaccines are not delivering a black and white outcome and that's okay. Uh, They're helping the, the situation here. So let's, let's, uh, I've gotten, I, I kind of circulated uh, to some members and uh, to some, some f- colleagues asking kind of what questions they would have. And, and overwhelmingly the most were related to the, to the variants that we're seeing these sure. because yeah. um, it's number one, the question is, you know, are these vaccines effective against the variants? Um, and, you know, two, Particularly the one that that's maybe not received as much attention, but if you if you look for it, it's got some kind of scary stories about it. The one that's in California, um, kind of the what they're calling the, the West Coast or California variant. Um, how worried should we be about these 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 variants? And are the vaccines available um, enough to to stop them, or or is this going to be an ongoing threat where we're going to have to be worrying about this for years to come? Yeah. Well, um, I will say, first of all, when we use the term variants, it's it's a little complicated for those of us who are microbiologists because this is an RNA virus and um, there will be variations in the genome of any RNA virus um, as it, you know, spreads in any population and so forth. So, um, you know, it, it sort of matters which variant and then... Right. You know, we focus on certain variants because we've we've found them, but we're not always sequencing everything that we're seeing. So there there might be other variants and there there could be the mutations that uh, characterize an isolate as a variant, but then other very other mutations that make things better, worse, um, also in the same strain and so forth. So it, it gets a little uh, right. complicated to talk about, um, but um we do know 
that there can be variants that have um, increased transmissibility, um, whether that's from just having a higher, higher viral load or having a higher duration of uh, shedding virus. Um, looks like it could, you know, could be either or both that, that is going on. Um, that's, that's concerning. It sort of makes sense. If, if you were the virus, that would be a good thing for you to do, right. <laughs> you know, to, to make yourself more transmissible, to personify the virus here. Um, and, but we also recognize that some um, variants uh, may affect some of our therapeutics, including uh, some of the monoclonal antibodies that are being used, and then um, could affect some of the, the efficacy of some of the antibodies that are generated as a result of the vaccine. Um, there's certainly some in vitro kind of evidence that that is the case, but um, it, it's not necessarily all or none, and it's not the same with all the variants, and besides which we don't really know what variants everybody has, who's infected, and so forth. Um, so yes, uh, it's concerning, but at this point in time, um, you know, I think the best thing we can do is get vaccinated when, when the vaccine is available to each of us individually and um, try to stop the circulation of this virus as much as possible. I'm not convinced that we'll, you know, get rid of it, but mm -hmm. um, to slow it down. And then, you know, we'll have to see what happens over time as we get more epidemiology data on vaccinated populations and circulation of viral strains. And science may need to come to the rescue once again, because mm -hmm. Uh, vaccines can be uh, designed to uh, mitigate uh, particular variants, right? So um, that means that there may be um, a booster or a new vaccine, right. however you want to refer to it, that we'll need to get down the road. I mean, think about influenza, right? We have to get a yearly flu vaccine because right. every year it's sort of a different <laughs> Um, story. And uh, we figured out how to deal with that. And we do. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, you know, I think we need to see how this, this all uh, plays out. Um, so yes, uh, you know, I wish, I wish RNA viruses didn't um, mutate, but you know, that's, that's what we're dealing yeah. with here. I mean, so, how, how concerned are you? Just, I'm curious what's, you know, when you, when you see the, especially the one in California that appears to be the dominant strain from what I've read, um, that's not a fact, but from what I've read, I mean, how, how does that make you more nervous or are you just like, you know, this is just kind of part of the game that we have to deal with moving forward? Um, I think that it makes it part of the game. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think, the, the problem with COVID-19 is you have people who underreact, I think, to the virus and people who overreact. Right. And, um, and the story changes. Well, the story changes because we're learning the story right. and also the story's evolving in front of us. So we're learning with science, but the virus is evolving at the same time. So we don't always know the story, but we're in the story, right? Right. Um, I don't think it's helpful to be overly anxious about things. Right. I think we need to be practical, um, but we can't be stupid either. 
and just say it's not an issue, right? Right. So we need to continue to keep an eye out and see what's going on um, and and learn day by day about what's happening here and use the tools that we have. Um, You know, we don't, we don't have newer vaccines yet. If we need them, you know, I believe we will have them, uh, but, but let's use what we have today and um, the tools that we have in hand to try to uh, manage the situation that we find ourselves in. Yeah, yeah, I, that's, that's a good answer. Um, I want to maybe put you on the spot a little bit when, when it comes to um, the one dose versus two dose. There, oh, there's, yeah. there's, um, there, there's been some stories in the news about that. So firstly, that we, we've seen some very encouraging statistics um, as of late with respect to the reduction in hospitalizations and the reduction in, in deaths, not only in the United States, but, but worldwide. Um, we've seen um, some, some reports that in, in England and Scotland, there have been substantial drops um, after just the first dose of one of the um, first two vaccines. I think it's the, the, the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine. Um, so I've got kind of two, two, two questions that are, that are coming out of that. Because number one, um, and let's talk about here in the U.S., are, are we, is the, the current drop, and we've seen a precipitous drop in, yeah. in, in the number of infections, and, and which is great news. Um, is this a, res, a result of kind of that surge that we saw over the holidays with Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's and all that kind of going away or is it should we be encouraged because the vaccine appears to be working and taking hold or is it some combination of both or and and i guess the corollary to that are you do you ever get concerned looking at people kind of being you know much more encouraged and starting to get out into the world and start traveling and do things that this is just going to be a little bit of a false alarm and we're going to get back to 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 another surge does that make sense what i'm asking it all makes sense. And, and it's a really good question. I could just say, I don't know. And let's move on to the next question. <laughs> uh, but let me, let me try to answer it. I really don't know. Be I mean, well served, who I knows the answer to that, right? Yeah. Because as a scientist, the way you would answer that is you'd have one intervention in one group of people, and then you wouldn't make that intervention in another group of people. And you'd have them otherwise doing the same thing. And you'd look at differences in outcomes. Right. But that's not what we're doing. We're doing lots of things at the same time, and there are lots of changes that are happening, which is what you're talking about. And then we're we're looking at the epidemiology, and then we're trying to attribute what has happened to maybe something we've done or not done, and so forth. So uh, I think the answer is probably it's a little bit of all of those things that mm-hmm. you mentioned, mm-hmm. but I don't even know that for sure. Um, I assume that the vaccine slowly but surely will will have an effect. Um, human behavior, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that has an effect because we've learned that already. Right. Um, but what it is differently that people did in one month versus another month, <laughs> I mean, that's a little bit hard uh, to right. to quantify, I think, at least for me, maybe maybe somebody who's tracking human behavior better than I am has, has some uh, data on that particular piece. Um, and, you know, there, there's also one thing that you didn't mention is there are some people who have been infected with the virus. That's the right. whole problem. Right. And um, they likely have a degree of immunity as well right. that they're acquiring with right. that. So they're probably contributing to this the right. changing That's epidemiology true. as well. I, I, I believe 
Um, and then on the human behavior side, you know, again, I'm a microbiologist. I, I'm not a human behavior person, but I don't think we all behave the same way. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so uh, there might be some people who have been fully alone in their own place for the whole pandemic, which is fantastic, but they're going to be a very different risk uh, than people who are starting to go out to restaurants and so right. forth as they open out. Uh, and, and so, I, you know, I, I don't know, like you'd have to look at not just um, human behaviors, but particular risks for this virus and, and uh, so forth. It's a complicated equation. Right. I think all of those things are probably playing a role, but there could be other factors, right? Um, what other factors could there be? Um, well, uh, there could be some degree of more protection in certain populations than other populations because of other factors that we don't fully understand. Mm. Um, there, there could be, uh, seasonality effects, even mm-hmm. though we don't believe that it's a fully seasonal virus, there may be some effect of say humidity, uh, for example. I mean, I don't know this. I'm, right. I'm just saying that I don't think it's, you know, the whole story, but it, it could be also playing a role, uh, in terms of, uh, what's going on here. So I'm not really giving you an answer. Maybe I should have just said, I don't know <laughs> and stopped there, but I don't think it's one thing that's changing uh, the epidemiology. And it is interesting because if you look at different geographical areas, you see different profiles of what's been happening over time. Right. And I have to say that it's not completely obvious to me um, mm. when I look at this. But I, I will give you an example. I'm going to go off target for just mm-hmm. a minute. Yeah. You know, there's so many infectious diseases um, where we don't fully understand the epidemiology. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so years ago, um, my group uh, was looking at some data we had on whooping cough. You've probably heard of mm-hmm. whooping cough. Yep. It's another vaccine-preventable <laughs> disease. But um, we, we thought we had sort of gotten rid of it um, back a few de- decades ago, and then it mm-hmm. kind of came back. You might remember mm-hmm. that as yep. well. Um, there are a variety of reasons for that. But many of us medical doctors had never really seen cases of it in training, and then it came back. And so we do a lot of testing for it. And uh, we were able to recognize through our testing that it had seasonality. Mm. And uh, interestingly, it's a respiratory bacterium, not a virus. Uh, But its seasonality is in the late summer, early fall, which is hard to understand. I have no explanation for that. And you know, because it had been sort of disappeared for whatever reason, we really didn't have any great insight into that uh, right. before we were able to observe that. But I don't have any explanation for that. And and there, quite frankly, just really aren't people studying a lot of those things. So there's so much we don't understand about infectious diseases and why they happen when they do, right? right. And what the, the mechanism is uh, behind that, because you're really asking about mechanism, like what is it that we did that made that happen? Or what is it about the virus that made that happen? Yeah. And, um, you know, we don't, we, don't, we don't always know. And I suspect with this one, since we're all sort of on it, that it's, it's multiple things all at the same time. Yeah, and I, I guess that was kind of a roundabout way of me asking, like, what, I mean, are we at risk of having another surge here? It feels like we're kind of up and down. And for the first time, 
since, you know, a year ago, I feel like we're kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. We've, we've, we've turned the corner. We're in the final stretch, whatever metaphor you want to use. Um, and, but I, I also, you know, there's some nagging part of me that thinks, oh man, like we start getting our hopes up and next thing, you know, bang, there's going to be another surge. I mean, are, are you particularly worried about another surge coming or do you think we're, we're kind of in the final stretch here this, this year? All right, this is another predict the future question. Um, That's why we have you on. Can I just say, I don't know, and we move on? No, I'm just kidding. That's the next question. No, Um, well, um, I, you know, I don't know. But but here's what I think. You know, we, we have learned a lot about what we do need to do to get this type of virus under control. And uh, we don't know exactly what the future looks like. So uh, when it looks like things are settling down, if we um, open up, I guess, um, it is the right term. I think we all know mm-hmm. what, what we're talking about. And then things seem to be fine. That'll be wonderful and we'll all feel great. And I think, you know, we should do it at the right time, right? That, right. that makes sense. Like we can't stay hold up indefinitely for the next, you know, decade or something like that. Let this pass. I mean, that that doesn't make any sense, right? Right. So there will come a time and that time I think may be different in different places and there may be different decisions that are made around there, but there there comes a time uh, when um, some of the recommendations will be loosened, let's just say. And, you know, I I think that the vaccine um, definitely helps with that, right? Right. Helps... um, people feel more comfortable. Is it perfect? Um, probably, maybe not. Um, you know, as we think about the possibility of some of the, the variant situations that we talked about, but, uh, but then we just have to see what happens, right? We learn. Um, I mean, I hate to say it. It's a little bit like an ongoing experiment. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the good thing is that, you know, if things do get worse, you know, we did this one time. So we kind of, have the plan down and we know know what the strategies are and 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 we as humanity also know what's ahead of us when when and if that happens and so forth and and so you know we 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 get on it and we we deal with that so i'm cautiously optimistic uh but you know i think we have to be prepared and i think we are uh for you know uh things to to not necessarily 100% 100% go in a favorable d- direction and we'll deal with that a- as we face it. Right. Um, right. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it is interesting. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how to compare it in terms of an infectious disease right. um, because I, I'm not sure. Well, maybe someone has an example, but I'm not sure we've lived through anything quite like this in that regard. You know, how do you know when it's over? Well, it's probably not going to be over by the way, but yeah. how do you know when it's, we can get back to normal, I guess. Right. And I don't think we'll be back to how we were. So it'll be our new normal, as we all say, and so forth. Right. But, um, you know, we, we, we just need to be prepared. I guess maybe it's most like, and this is just me being philosophical, a war of some kind. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm no expert on wars, but, but, you know, how do you know when, when it's over a right. war? Like, right. Right. And, and, and for that matter, how do you know when it's begun? But, you know, I, I, it's, it, it's, a, I think a nice analogy. You really only know, as far as I can tell, when some time passes after the end, and then you can look back and say, oh, that's when it kind of ended. Right, right. Um, yeah. And I think even with wars, even if they, 
and they don't really end. There's a lot that sort of drags on afterwards. And I feel like that's what we're going through. Yeah. Anyway, that's my philosophical analogy <laughs> yeah. here. No, I mean, I, you know, there's not, there's not, uh, there, there's not, I don't think there's answers to these. And, I, and honestly, hearing you say that makes me feel a little bit better about not, <laughs> not, not knowing the answers myself, because, um, you know, you, you, you certainly know a hell of a lot more than I do about this stuff. So I, I don't want to keep you too much longer. I have two, um, quick questions left. Well, 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 two questions, one of which has a couple parts, but it'll be quick. And the answer is going to be, I don't know. No, <laughs> um, well, no, I, I'm curious. One of the things I, I've been reading quite a little about, bit about is the, this debate about whether or not we delay the second part of the vaccine from the Moderna and the Pfizer shots um, um, in order to get more people the the first vaccine, meaning the the first vaccine seems to have some effectiveness, not at preventing um, contracting the disease as as highly as it will after the second shot, but it does prevent things like hospitalizations um, and death, which is as you mentioned before, one of kind of the which is a really good outcome. And I'm not going to hold you to this or, or put it on the, <laughs> on the Mayo Clinic website or anything. But do you have do you have any opinion on that? Whether or not we should be, um, you know getting the first vaccine, getting everybody the first part of the vaccine um, and then waiting a little bit. Cause that's going to, is that going to have a, a, a better effect than, than kind of doing this one, you're know, getting everyone this both doses before, before you can move on. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. You know, when, when we do uh, studies, whether it's of a vaccine or a drug uh, for approval, uh, a study is done in a certain way, and that's what's approved, and that's what's been studied, and that's the evidence that we have sitting in front of us. I mean, honestly, it's the same for, say, antibiotics. You know, a dose of this drug uh, at this particular dose taken this many times a day for this many days is what's you know, you would use to treat this particular disease. And we, we typically don't study all the alternative possibilities in terms of delivery, and um, that might come through further studies, et cetera. So um, my thought right out of the gate is to uh, take the vaccine in the way it's offered to you. And mm -hmm. I suspect that's going to be how it was studied in the clinical trials. And right. that's what I would take. However, if there's a decision down the road from um, somebody who's deciding about how the vaccine is administered to, to give it in a different way. Um, you know, I, I would go with that. I don't really think this is up to the individual to make a decision on. Of course, I suppose you could go and just take right. one of your vaccines and that would be the way to do it, but I'm not endorsing that. I would take the vaccine in the way that it is offered to you right. uh, because that's what's been studied and that's what's being offered. Right. Um, it may be what you're saying would be perhaps a more equitable way of getting it out there. I know there are uh, challenges getting the vaccine given to everybody right. who, who needs to get it. And we're all frustrated with the speed at, with which that's happening. But at this point in time, I, I personally would take what has been studied and right. what's being recommended. Yeah, I, I guess that, that, that what the question boils down to is, you know, is the one dose um, enough to, to at least, 
you know, kind of stop the, the initial problem. And I, you know, I, again, I, I don't, I'm not encouraging anyone to do either, either one. I'm just, you know, I see this debate going on and I'm, I'm just curious. I was just curious what your, what, what your thoughts were. Um, um, all right. So what I want to do now, cause I've, I've kept you long enough. You've got much more important things to do than talk to me, I'm sure. Um, but I've, I, I want to get through, a couple kind of what I'm calling rapid fire questions that just are going to give the, you know, some of the questions I've received, I want to make sure we get answers to them. So, um, it doesn't have to be a long answer saying, I don't know is perfectly acceptable. Um, but I do want to get to get to these. So there's, there's five of them. Cause we already, um, we already, okay. we already looked at one of them. Okay. So number one, do we know whether, the vaccine prevents you from transmitting the infection or is it only from getting infected? Meaning once you get the vaccine, can you still get it and transmit it or is it, you know, preventing it full stop? Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good question. Whoever asked that. Um, and we, we don't fully know that it, I mean, it's, it's likely that since it's not hundred percent effective, right. That you could still get it asymptomatically and transmit it. But, um, the extent to which it reduces that phenomenon, I, I don't know that we know fully, but the, you know, I would, I would hope that there's some protection against that, but it's not absolute. Okay. How, how long do we know how long the vaccine is effective? Like how long until you got to get another one? Is it going to be a year? Do we have any idea yet? Well, we just, we don't really know yeah. the answer to that. You know, hopefully with individuals who have been, vaccinated and are being followed up, right. we can get that answer as we roll through time. Um, but but we don't fully know that answer. So if the same exact virus continues to circulate for a long time and cause problems, it may be that we need to get, well, a booster, if you want to call it that, um, down the road. Uh, but we're not really to that point yet. Yeah, well, one interesting question that I got, which I I hadn't thought about um, was if you've had COVID, if you've been positively diagnosed with COVID, do you still need to get the vaccine and should you get the vaccine? Yeah, no, that is actually a really good question. Um, the The recommendations are typically that you would still take the vaccine. Okay. But like I mentioned earlier, you, you do probably have some degree of protective immunity from having um, COVID-19. Um, so, you know, you, you could argue that point on that basis, but currently the recommendation is that you would still uh, take the vaccine. Um, and then um, when it comes to allergic reactions, we've seen some, um, well, in our industry, there was a bit of a, a scare at the beginning because um, lip fillers, there was a, some reaction to, to lip fillers, but it turned out to be, to be very minor. Um, I, I, like, for instance, I'm allergic to bee stings. Uh, mm-hmm. sh- should I be concerned about getting the the vaccine or if I have some sort of a food allergy? What's the level of concern when it comes to, to, to other types of allergies? I don't think those um, allergies would be concerning for a cross-reactivity, you know, with this particular vaccine. Okay. Um, so, you know, again, there are people who have some side effects. I mean, myself, after the second dose, I didn't feel well and I don't usually get sick, yeah. uh, but it was for a day. Um, and and there there are people who, who do have some side effects. But um, as far as, you know, sort of pinpointing, you know, because you, you're allergic to bee stings, you shouldn't get this vaccine, that, that doesn't 
make any sense to me. Yeah. No, I, it, so it, it doesn't make, it doesn't put, put, put anyone at, at a higher risk to, yeah. to have an allergic reaction to the vaccine if they've, if they've got other allergies. Correct. Okay. Um, and I guess the, so the, the final question, um, is should people be requesting one of the vaccines over the other? Yeah. You know, it, you know, I've, I've heard that from a few folks they, they, they see the, you know, with the Johnson and Johnson single dose, that's going to be coming out here soon. Like they say, well, that's not as effective. So I want to get the other one. I mean, what's the role of people's choice in this? Yeah. Um, that's another good question. Well, first of all, you're unlikely to have much of a choice. Right. So, so that's going to play into this. And um, as I mentioned, I think that if you're offered the vaccine, you should take it and yep. you should take it as soon as you can. And so you, you won't be offered the vaccine with a choice, I don't think. I, I think that would be a pretty unusual right. circumstance. And for an individual to be deciding which vaccine is better for them personally doesn't really make any sense to me. So at this point in time, my recommendation would be A, take the vaccine and B, take whichever vaccine is offered to you. Right. Uh, many places won't even tell you necessarily what vaccine you're getting until you um, get close to the date or even show up there. It, it, it quite frankly, it, it really shouldn't matter. I, I don't think this is a scenario where you know, that choice is significantly impacting what's going to happen to you. Take the vaccine. All right. I I appreciate your time. Hopefully we won't have to bring you back and this will be gone and over <laughs> with. Um, but thank you so much. I mean, in a, you, you've 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 been on the really on the front lines of this. And, and so we appreciate all that you've done. And and thank you so much for taking the time again to, to talk with us. I, I know you've got things going on and um, I'll give you the chance to to give your last word um, and, and we'll and, and we'll leave it at that. Yeah, thanks for having me back here today. We've certainly been uh, learning a lot about this one virus. Um, you know, there, there have been good things. I mean, I don't mean to say that in the way it sounds, but we've, we've learned a lot, right, yeah. about what we can do in terms of how fast we can make vaccines. We didn't talk about diagnostics, but by the way, yeah. we learned how quickly we can make diagnostics, and there have been some huge revolutions there, too. So I hope that, A, I hope we exit this situation soon, like you said. Yeah. But I also hope that we exit it, having learned what science can deliver, not just for this infectious diseases, but for many other diseases, including infectious diseases, because I'm particularly fond of them um, as well, that, that we really uh, struggle with. I mean, this one is in our face, literally, but there are, there are many other uh, diseases that afflict us humans that I think we can do much better with on the basis of what we've learned with COVID-19. So thank yeah. you for having me today. Thank you so much for, for, for coming, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks again. All right. Thanks for joining us this week with the American Med Spa podcast, Medical Spy Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch was joined by Dr. Robin Patel, professor of medicine, professor of microbiology. If you're new with us, we would love to invite you to hit the subscribe button. Click it now so you can get AmSpa content delivered to you each time. Leave a rating and a review. See you on our next episode.